God is awesome. You may be seated. Our God is so awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, we are so glad to see all of you tonight. Don't know if we have any kiddos in here. If we do, they are having CIA. So uh, you could go ahead and go to your class. Praise the Lord. And we do want to remind you all now, we do have CIA on Sunday nights, Wednesday night. But, you know, we may be changing that. So if you uh, do have kids and you don't normally bring them, well, I guess that's why we might be changing it. (laughs) So anyhow, but we're glad that you guys are here. How many of you were here last Sunday night? A lot of you were. Okay, very good. So we don't have time, of course, to go back and rehearse everything that was shared last Sunday night. We we did start our series on the authority of the believer. And we established last week that our God is the most high God. And that the authority is based on the person behind it. And our God is behind the authority that we have. And aren't you glad? Amen. Our God's above everything. He's above every other God that there might be on the earth. There's no God like our God. Our God is above politics. Thank God for that. Amen. He is above anything about man's opinion, man's wisdom. He's higher. Hallelujah. And we get to be hooked up with him. And so through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, believers, we, y'all raise your hand. How many believers are in here? Believers are authorized users of that God-given authority that Jesus obtained for us. So tonight, we want to start out talking about that we get to walk And enjoy the benefits of that delegated authority that we have in Jesus' name. There are lots of people in the body of Christ that suffer from a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. People love Jesus. They're going to go to heaven When they die, but their life is like hell on earth. And that's not what God intended for us. And one of the reasons is that believers do not know who they are in Christ Jesus. And they don't know what has been given to us. We as believers have a benefit package. Glory be to God. And it, it, it is full of everything that Jesus died and get, died to give us. First of all, of course, is salvation. How about healing? How about the joy of being filled with the Holy Spirit? How about the knowledge that we are more than conquerors through him? And isn't it good news just to know that Jesus whooped the devil? He defeated him. He destroyed him. And he's not to be running havoc in our lives. So I do realize uh, that I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. And that, you know, y'all, you're in a good church. You're in a good church. And a lot of this revelation, you, you know, you've been walking in. So it's not like it's new revelation. 
But for many of you, it's going to be us. It's a refresher course. I know as I've been studying this, I've gone back and I've been reading Brother Hagin's book on the believer's authority and just, you know, just meditating on it. And it's just gotten bigger on the inside of me. It's good for us to refresh these truths on a regular basis. And it was just so on the inside of me that we needed to look at these truths in this time and in this season, because I don't believe there's ever been a time on the face of this earth where believers need to be taking their place and their position and ruling and reigning in life. So tonight, if I were to title this, the title of this part of it tonight is Know Where You Are Seated. Know where you're seated. I'm not talking about your natural seat. Although, you know, sometimes you might go to an event and it's awful if you go to a sporting event or whatever and then you you can't find your seat. It's terrible. Oh, where was I sitting? It's always good to know where you're sitting, even in the natural. But it's really vital. That we know where we are seated with Jesus and in the realm of the spirit. We know that uh, this morning, pastor, he shared some things out of the book of Ephesians, dynamic message. You weren't here. You get the CD, you listen to it. But he said some things even about the book of Ephesians. And I loved it. He said the first few chapters are the wealth of the believer, then the walk of the believer, and then the warfare of the believer. So the book of Ephesians is full of revelation to the church about the church and what we have in Christ Jesus. Chapters one and chapter three contain prayers that we should be praying on a regular basis over ourselves and over our loved ones. You can pray it over the body of Christ that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light, that we would see things in him that we have not seen before. So let's start tonight. We're going to be reading quite a bit of scripture. And the first two I want to read is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And I'm going to be reading that out of the King James because that's the Bible that I brought tonight. And I I like my King James and my Amplified here together. So the first two chapters, first two verses of Ephesians chapter 1, actually not the first two. 16 and 17. They got it right. This is the Apostle Paul praying. And he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then the next verse, verse 17. What was he praying? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's a good thing to pray for ourselves. Lord, open my eyes that I may have fresh revelation of you, the knowledge of what you have done, the knowledge of what, of who you are and what do you want to do in the earth? And how about a spirit of wisdom? Has anybody ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do? Thank God we are hooked up with, he lives on the inside of us, the spirit of wisdom. 
So these are powerful truths, powerful prayers. And then I want to go on down. But how does this wisdom and this revelation come? Now we want to look at verse 18 out of the Amplified. By having the eyes of your heart flooded. Everybody say flooded. With light. So that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. You know what? Every one of us have a calling. We're not all called to stand in the fivefold ministry and get behind a pulpit. But we are all called. We are all ambassadors of Christ. We have a mission here on this earth. God's got plans and purposes for every single one of us. And this is one of the ways we find out. We pray and we ask that our eyes would be enlightened so we could know and we could understand why am I here on this earth? What is my purpose? What is he anointed and called me to do? And then how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set apart ones. There's a lot of Christians that are walking in darkness. They don't know God's will and God's plan for their life. They don't even understand the word And the word is victory, that we are to live a victorious and overcoming life. We can be, people can be born again, but live in darkness concerning our rights and our privileges. People can be born again and still be conformed to this world's way of thinking. That's why the Bible says over in chap- in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says we're not to be conformed to this world's way of thinking. It's darkness. And that's why when we get born again, we have to take time meditating upon the word of God to change stinking thinking. There's too many people in the church walking in darkness. Walking in confusion, walking in deception. I heard Dr. Ben Carson say something recently. That He's a man of God, y'all. He is an integral man of God, and he has a lot to say. And I loved how he said this. Just Of course, he's talking about our nation, and we need to be praying for our nation and praying for Christians that their eyes will be enlightened. Amen? Well, Dr. Ben Carson said this, deception changes your perception. Deception changes your perception. People are deceived. There's a spirit trying to hover in our land and it is deception and it blinds the minds and it blinds the eyes of people and if people see with this spirit of deception upon them it changes their perception and when he said that it immediately reminded me of this scripture that i had seen a while back over in isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 out of the new king james it says this woe to those who call evil good and good evil evil 
whoa. That says whoa, and I'll say whoa. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What is this saying? This saying that it is a deception that people say, oh, that's not evil. That's just modern. That's just this present day society. That's calling evil good. And it's not good. Oh, we just have to be up on the times. This is the day that we live in. We have to endorse this. We have to accept this. No, not according to my Bible. That is calling evil good. It's calling darkness light. Didn't mean to say all that, but when I read that scripture, it just, doesn't it just grip you? Because it describes the day in which we live. And the verse we just read in Ephesians said we are to pray. We pray it for ourselves. We pray it for the body of Christ that their eyes would be flooded with light. And you know what? That is not going to happen that people out in the world receive Jesus and see the light of the gospel unless you and I take our place. Unless you and I sit in the seat of authority that has been granted unto us by the Lord Jesus and begin to take authority over these spirits. We are not devil conscious, but you have to be dumb, stupid, blind, or dishonest not to say and acknowledge that there have been hordes of demons unleashed on our nation. And we can do something about it. In the realm of the spirit, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Our battle is not with people. That's why you can't get angry and upset with people. Most people are acting the way they're acting because deception has changed their perception. And the only way that's going to be changed is for us to pray and to do something about it. In the realm of the spirit. Not fighting with people. But folks we got authority. Over those evil spirits. That are trying to rule and reign in our nation. I want to read you something. And I'll tell you afterwards. Who this is. Who this was written by and when. The rapidly approaching end of the age is witnessing a tremendous increase in the activity of the powers of darkness unrest among the nations more intense than at any previous time in the earth's history this is due largely to the stirring up of the ambitions and the passions of men while they, the spread of an almost wholly secular education is quietly doing away with the scriptural standards were, which formerly exerted and restrained the influence of, on our nation. Our wealth, 
and social culture have not made us thankful to the giver of all good, but have centered us upon the material things of this world and have produced a self-sufficiency, a self-awareness. What about all these selfies and all this stuff all over the place? That quite ignores our dependency upon the creator of all. Godliness, which we have condemned so strongly in other nations, is almost equally as pronounced in our own land. Can y'all think, you think this is talking about today, maybe? Christ, in their view, has degenerated into no more than a superman. An example, which in their own feeble strength they seek to follow. To meet the situation, the church of Christ needs a new concept of prayer. The urgent call is for men and women wholly yielded to the Lord. And then this is what we're talking about. Whose eyes have been enlightened. To see... The ministry in the heavenlies to which we have been called. We don't just have a natural ministry. We are spirit beings. Our ministry is there, seated together with him in heavenly places. Such believers may in union, pastor talked about union with Jesus today, may in union with the great head of the body exercise an authority to which the powers of the air must give place whenever challenged. This was written by John A. McMillan, the author of a book called The Authority of the Believer. Billy Brim has that, and I think you can get it on Amazon as well. Let me tell you when he lived. He was born in 1873, and he died in 1956. This statement I just read to you was written in the 1930s. You would think it was describing our day. Because you know what? There is nothing new under the sun. It takes different forms and different emphasis, and it gets more pronounced like it is in our day. This self-centered stuff and all of that is more pronounced in our day, probably because of social media. But this thing of secular education trying to creep into the schools started way back then, before World War II. And now it has just exploded. So what do we do? This revelation that he talked about, whose eyes are being enlightened and the church exercising their authority is not an old revelation. It never gets cold, never grows old and it never becomes obsolete. The same power that he wrote about and he preached about and he prayed from that place of authority works today. We have a seat of authority. And I want to look at that from the scriptures tonight. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and let's pick it up in verse 19 out of the Amplified again. And so 
that you may know and understand. Oh, I love these words. What is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Note those words again. Immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of his power. Do you think there's any power shortage in heaven? Do you think that Jesus has to run to the throne room because they've had a little blackout and say, oh God, you know what? All those Christians at heart of the bay, they've all been making a demand on your power. And I'm sorry, we just had this surge. We've had this blackout. We've got the Holy Ghost and the angels working on it. We hope to be up and running soon. No, there is no limit to his greatness. Or his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Millions, if not billions of Christians around the world can call on the name of the Lord all at the same time. And there is an abundance of power to be released to cover any and every situation. Hallelujah. And I like how it said his power in and for us who believe. When we know that power is in us, we know that it's for us. You know what follows that? It flows through us. In, for, and through the believing ones. Let's continue reading verse 20. I'm trying to read this, but you know, I just got to stop and comment because I like it. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. We know that when Jesus died on that cross and his spirit descended into hell that the enemy thought he had won. And when Jesus was in the region of the dam, there was a party going on. We won. We killed the son of God. But on that third day, there was a voice that ascended out of heaven and it shook the regions of hell. And it was the voice of our most high God. And he said, loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. The price has been paid. Glory be to God. The way has been made. And we know that Jesus rose up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he ascended unto his father. And it says he made him to sit down at his right hand in heavenly places. I just looked this up recently. I was blessed. It said this, to sit at the right hand of a king 
means you have a place of authority. Hallelujah. And not only was Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, that place of authority, but the Bible says we were raised up together with him. And we were made to sit together with him in the eyes of God. We died with Jesus, but we were also raised with him unto new life. Hallelujah. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever is saved becomes a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We got joint Seating with him. We got the benefits that go along with it. Hallelujah. And where is this seat? We already said that it's at the right hand of the father. But let's keep reading down in verse 21. Far. Everybody say far. 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 Say it again. Far. Woo. Far. Above. All rule. And authority and power and dominion. And if that wasn't enough, he added in here every name that is named above every title that can be conferred. Just to make sure we get it. He's above all the works of the devil, all power, all dominion. And then any name, any name you can name. He's above it. And look at this part, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age to come. Glory to God. You know, we're not always going to be doing what we are doing here. This is like a dress rehearsal. We get to practice the presence of the Lord down here. We get to use our God-given authority down here. But there is an age to come. And that age to come is the millennial age. And I'm not talking about the millennials. I'm talking about the millennial age where we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And what we do down here, how we walk in our authority and our dominion down here, it will determine your place and your position in the world to come, in the age to come. That's why it's important to be faithful. Be faithful in that calling that you are called to walk in your purpose. You don't know, Pastor Mark may be the governor of California in the age to come. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Tom could be the mayor of Hayward. I don't know how it's going to come down, but it pays to be faithful and to serve him with all your heart. Practice the presence of the Lord and walk in your authority down here. Don't you like that? But also in the age and the world which are to come. You know what we're doing, folks? It's not just about now. It's not just about this physical time on the earth. You and I are about eternity. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Now, God wants us to know what happened. And he's, we've been talking about it in that death and burial and resurrection and the seating of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He wants us to know that we share in Christ's victory. We're seated with him. Say this again with me. Far above. Far above. All principality. Power. Might. And dominion. And every name that is named. Is poverty a name? Is sickness a name? Is disease a name? Is strife a name? Is fear a name? Is terror a name? Is hopelessness a name? All those things are names. And they have to bow their knee to the name. The name. Cancer is nothing more than a name. But we have the name that's above it all. Hallelujah. El glory be to God. The source of our authority is found in Christ's resurrection and God exalting him to seat that seat at his right hand. And then Jesus giving that same authority unto us. Now let's continue tracking with this. I didn't read verse 22 and 23. Y'all can read that later for sake of time. Oh, no, let's just read it. Let's read it. It's too good. 22 and 23 of Ephesians 2. A one. And he has put all things under his feet. And he has appointed him the universal and the supreme head of the church. A headship exercise throughout the church. Verse 23, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete. And who fills everything, everywhere, with himself. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm glad I read that because I think we need to lift our hands and go, Hallelujah! (laughs) Woo! Thank you, Lord! (laughs) Your fullness lives in me. (laughs) Woo! If you need healing, just say that. Thank you, that fullness of health lives in me fullness of strength lives in me fullness of joy and peace lives in me (laughs) whoa hallelujah we need to know where we're seated and we need to know who we're seated by glory be to God seated together with him In heavenly places. Now let's flip on over to Ephesians chapter 2. And we will look at verse 1 through 5. I'm going to read all of those and then we'll make our comments. Ephesians chapter 2. Out of the King James. Thank you Lord for your word. And you. Are you a you? Yeah, if you're a believer, you are you. You have he quickened. The Amplified says, made alive. 
who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Oh let's look at verse 4. Let's read this together. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5, read it also. Even when we were dead in trespasses, dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Let me ask again, how many in here are saved? We're saved by the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for that grace? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now I want to skip down to verse 6. And I want to read it out of the Amplified. Go to verse 6 in the Amplified. And he raised us up together. With him he made us sit down together. Giving us joint seating with him. In the heavenly spirit, by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's what I'm emphasizing tonight. Know where you're sitting. Know who you're sitting with. The Lord Jesus Christ. We have seats. With benefits. (laughs) I remember many years ago that uh, Pastor Mark and I went to Phoenix to visit his brother and sister-in-law. And they took us to the Phoenix, who are they, Suns? It was a basketball game? No, it was a basketball game. Suns, don't confuse me. I don't always know even who's playing. I go to eat. I'll just be honest. If I go to a sporting event, it's to junk out on the junk food. So they took us to this game and it was really crowded. And as we're walking into the stadium, of course, the first thing I start checking out are the concession stands to see what they have. And I was like, I was bummed, man, because there was long lines everywhere. Well, Dan kept saying, oh, we got great seats. We got great seats. And we kept going down lower and lower. And we were really close to the floor. And it was awesome seats. But I'm thinking about food. So I'm like, oh, I guess I got to go get in the long line at the concession stand. And Dan's like, no, you don't have to do that. These seats come with service. They come with food. You just got to order the food. And I'm telling you, I don't know who played or how. I just was ordering everything I could think of. I was enjoying my seat with benefits. I didn't have to get up and go get in the long line. I could just sit there and order on this little piece of paper. And somebody brought it right to my seat. And I kept looking up there thinking, those poor people that have to stay in that long line for a cold hot dog. Look how blessed we are. Highly favored of the Lord. But you know, that has stuck with me. That we as believers, we have a seat 
with benefits. But too many believers don't know it. They're out in the long line at the concession stand waiting for a cold hot dog. When Jesus said, come to the table, I got a table spread for you right in the presence of your enemies. Hallelujah. So we need to know we got a seat with benefits. We are raised up, up with him. And why did God do this for us? Well, let's skip down to verse 7. Not skip down. Go to verse 7. Out of the Amplified. He did this. That he might clearly demonstrate. Through the ages. There it is again. It's not just this age. Through the ages to come. The immeasurable. Limitless surpassing riches of his free grace, unmerited favor in his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. Now there's going to be other people in heaven other than us. The body of Christ. What about the saints of old? They're going to be there. What about people that get born again during the millennial age? They're going to be there. But you know what they're going to be looking at? Ooh. Ooh. Like pastor said today, ooh and on. But they're going to be saying, wow, there goes one of them. Whoa. There goes one of them that got to be alive during the church age. Can you imagine They got to have Jesus living in them in an immeasurable and an unlimitless way. Don't you wish you could have been one of them? People through the ages are going to be saying, "Woo! it's the church. It's one of those born again believers. Don't take it lightly. I'm telling you, God's going to put us on display. We, the believing ones that are washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are trophies of His grace. And He's going to put us on display throughout the ages. And He wants to put us on display right now in the here and the now. God has never been opposed He's to showing himself strong and letting his goodness be displayed through his people. You think about the children of Israel. It's by no accident that he placed them on that land where they're at today. Tiny little piece of land. But the nation of Israel, it is like a bridge It connects three continents. Did you know that? It touches Africa, Asia, and Europe. And God put them on that land bridge so that in the day when they were raised up, people coming from Africa, caravans coming from Asia, people coming through from Europe would all have to pass through there. 
And that's why God said, I want you to be a display of my goodness. And he said, if you will obey me, I will bless you in the land. And people that come through here are going to know that I am God, the Lord God, Jehovah, just by seeing how good I've been to my people. But we know he also said, if you don't obey me and walk in my commandments, I'm going to scatter you. And that's what happened. But that's not the end of the story. There is a regathering happening again. And once again, I believe it, that people are going to see through the nation of Israel that God is God. But this does relate to us, the church. Again, he wants us to be on display. He wants us to demonstrate to the world his immeasurable, his limitless, his surpassing goodness. And favor. We represent him. How are they going to hear? Unless there's a preacher. How are they going to see the love of God? Unless they see it through us. Hallelujah. We are supposed, unbelievers are supposed to see him in our lives. We're supposed to be walking in his blessing and in his authority and operating in his power. We are supposed to be in charge. Hallelujah. You may not know this, but I like to be in charge. I submitted to my husband, but I do like to be in charge. You know, and it's a, it's a strong, it's a strong gene in my family. Our little Olivia, she's seven years old and Lindy tells me all the time. She doesn't look like you, Grammy, but, uh, she likes to act like you. (laughs) They had some little boy playing over at their house a while back and he came out crying and Lindy's like, what's wrong? And he said, she's too bossy. (laughs) Anyhow. Stay in the spirit. Stay in the spirit. But there is something on the inside of every believer instilled in us. Not that we want it should be aggressive and obnoxious. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about ruling and reigning in life and not letting the devil run havoc in our homes. On our job, with our family. Hallelujah. We are in charge. Hallelujah. We got the last word. We got the word of God. And I will say it boldly. It is not going to go the devil's way. It's going to go how we say. Let me show you a couple more scriptures here. We're winding down. Well, that's good. I've only been going 37 minutes in case you're wondering. Romans 5, verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through one, that's talking about Adam, much more those who receive, we've already established it, we've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What are we supposed to do with it? 
We will reign in life through Jesus, the one Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Are we called to reign in heaven? Well, we're going to, but we're called to reign in life right now in this life. I recently heard someone that they said they were doing a teaching on Rain Man. R-E-I-G-N. Rain Man. That's who we are. Listen to this definition of rain. I love these definitions. To rule. To have authority. And then listen to this one. This was in Webster's. Royal power. Isn't that good? We're to reign in life. We are to exercise our royal power. Do you know your royalty? Last scripture, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation. You are a what? Say it with me. Say it with me. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. His own special people. That we may proclaim the praises of him. That's what we're doing. We're ruling and we're reigning. We're letting the world see him. We're praising him. We're giving him the glory. We're giving him the honor. See, proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're walking in the light. There's so much darkness out there. But darkness isn't to rule and grow and dominate in our lives. Light is stronger than darkness. Light always dispels darkness. If you don't believe me, we could turn out every light in here and it could be pitch black. And people click on their iPhones and just the light from the iPhones. <laughs> you know what would happen to the darkness? It has to leave. Light is stronger than darkness. And then it said there, like it said there, royal power. That's what it means to reign. Royal power. We've established that we are his royal priesthood. Royalty reigns. Don't you think that it's interesting? Watch the old movies. You go to many countries, people that are ruling, people that are royalty. What do they have? They have a throne. And we, as the royal priesthood, we have a seat. Hallelujah. And it's from that seat that we rule and we reign. It is a seat of authority. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Did you enjoy that?